Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. We just posture ourselves before you as sons and daughters just to receive all that you have for us. Moving our hearts, moving our minds. Convict us, encourage us, lead us. Release revelation through your word this morning. Help us, God, to encounter your heart this morning in all that we do. Equip us, empower us, Lord, for the things that you've called us to do. We just worship you, lift up our adoration to you this morning in this house. You are worthy, 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 worthy. You're our one pursuit. You're our one pursuit. You're the one thing above all things that our hearts desire, Jesus. And it's you. We fix our gaze upon you. Welcome your presence into this house, into our hearts. We humble ourselves before you. Just say, God, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to I talk to you and finish this series um, on the Sermon on the Mount and uh, highlight some important things here. But uh, we started somewhere at the beginning of October, I believe, and went through October. Uh, Lord really put on my heart to read uh, the Sermon on the Mount every day uh, for 30 days all through October and then continued that on to November. And I shared that with you guys, and many of you guys have done that. And the Lord just really uh, released some things into us. I've, I've just fed so much on it. But, um, but so we've just kind of been living in that area. We've had a few things we brought in in between here or there. But uh, God's really had us focus on this message, Jesus' sermon here. And um, so just kind of without reviewing too much, um, you know, again, it's, it's Matthew starts at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and then goes all the way through chapter 7. All three chapters is, are, are a continuation of this one sermon. And so we, we walk through this. Um, there's actually eight messages on the Sermon on the Mount so far that you could go uh, listen online if you've missed any of them. But this is just kind of a little picture of where, of what we've, where we've been is starting in ver- verse 5. Uh, we talked about it and just really broke down the eight Beatitudes uh, that reveal the lifestyle that Jesus has empowered us to live. And then as we as we live out that lifestyle, that promise of being blessed, blessed are. And that, that word blessed meaning vibrant, so vibrant in spirit, blessed, supernatural blessing. It's the favor of God. It's his blessing, his vibrancy that you couldn't uh, uh, produce on your own, that he produces in us as we live out this lifestyle, this kingdom lifestyle in the eight Beatitudes, and then and then how the result of living out the Beatitudes results in us being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and he encourages us in that how we need to maintain then, right, maintain the saltiness and maintain the flame and the fire uh, within us, and then 
He comes right out of that uh, at the end of chapter 5 and going into chapter, well, mainly chapter 5 and part of chapter 6, and he lists um, and, and gives us these six temptations uh, to resist while we're walking out the lifestyle because Jesus knew what were going to be some of our greatest hindrances, right, to walking out and living out these eight Beatitudes. So he gives these six temptations, um, and, then, and then after the temptation, then he gives five spiritual disciplines to help resist these temptations and then ultimately to posture us to encounter more of him. And, uh, and that's kind of where we, where, we, where we finished off at was, was talking about and walking through those five spiritual disciplines. All right. And so all that was in chapter five and six. Well, Chapter 7 is so important, so I kind of want to finish this series today and, uh, and, and just bring some things to you in chapter 7 that I really want to really focus on um, uh, Jesus' final words in this message at the end of chapter 7. So that's kind of where we're going to land at today. Again, this will be, uh, what is this, uh, part 9, so 9-part series on the Sermon on the Mount. I need you to grab this. Amen. If I say, Jesus, you have my heart. You have my attention. My focus is on you. All right. So at the end of, at the end of chapter 6, Jesus is speaking about, <clears throat> about trusting, trusting in him. And... Um, He says, he says, don't, don't worry. Verse 25 through, through 34, he says, don't worry. But he's saying, don't worry about, about material things, about provision. Um, I just want to make a side note in there real quick. He doesn't say to be lazy, right? And he doesn't, he doesn't say to not, not, to, not to plan. He doesn't say not to be a good steward. He says, don't worry. Don't be, don't be anxious about it, because he says, then he goes on, and he, he kind of uh, just explains that a little bit, and he says, because I know what you need, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a way for your provision, and then in the context of that, G, uh, Jesus says in verse 33 of chapter 6, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, okay, and that, and then he, and then that ends, uh, right at the end of chapter 6, and then we go into chapter 7, which is where I, I want to uh, start at today, and then um, he t he, he's, he's talking about relationships here a little bit, so uh, let, let's read this together just uh, with, with me. So M Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not. So Jesus is coming out of this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added to you, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its, uh, its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Chapter 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Jesus said, hypocrite. 
First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in in pieces. Okay, so I'm gonna just I want to touch base on this real quick. Jesus says, "Judge not." that you be not judged. In verse 4 here of chapter 7, he says, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in, is in, your, uh, in, in your own eye. So much of this amazing sermon that Jesus gave to his followers was focused on fulfilling the two great commands. When you go back and you look at chapter 5, verse 1, the beginning of the sermon, all the way to the end, the things that he brings up in this lifestyle that he's called us to from the Beatitudes to the things that that he knew that that were going to be temptations that we'd have to resist to the, the disciplines, those five disciplines, all these things, so much of this, so much of this sermon, right, focuses on fulfilling the two greatest commandments to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then the second one is then to love your neighbor as yourself. So I, I, this is important that you get these first few verses here in, in chapter 7 because it creates the context. So Jesus here in verse 1 through 7 is talking about relationships. He talks in here about brother. How can you uh, uh, pull that, that, that little splinter out of your brother's eye when you have a blank in your own eye. So he's talking about the relationships that we're going to have and how we live them and how we carry through them, right? And so in the context of relationships in living out this kingdom lifestyle then, Jesus goes on and look at verse uh, uh, 7 real quick. Actually, we'll just read through verse 12, but look in then right here then. He goes straight into this and he says, now ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Amen? If you then, being evil, know how to good give, give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? So verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 7, creates this context of how we handle one another, how we work through things with one another, and then, and then at the uh, verse 7 through 11, here's this persevering prayer, and then in verse 12, he comes back into what we know of as the golden rule. So, sandwiched between the golden rule and how we handle one another and not judging one another, but yet strengthening one another, he calls us into this place, right? Right, of perseverance in prayer. He says, and it, it, it'll uh, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, again, it'll be open. This is not for he's not he, this is not for material things because he's already told us not to worry about material things. 
He's speaking in the context of relationships and how we live out and fulfill these two, these two greatest commandments, to love him, to, to stay faithful to him with all of our heart, with all of our, our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and then how we love one another as ourselves. Jesus, to step into this, guys, you're going to need to knock, you're going to need to seek, you're going to need to keep on asking in the context of prayer. So we pull out of this that wholehearted pursuit of loving Jesus Jesus and loving people requires persistent asking and seeking and knocking. Amen? A constant. Like we are to, we're to persevere knowing that he will answer in his timing and in his way. And when I read through this, like this isn't a casual prayer. Oh, Lord, help me today, not lose it. Right? Lord, help me today, not give in to my natural uh, personality or whatever. You know, help me not throat punch anyone today, Jesus. I mean, it is a, it is a, it's a persevering on our face, continually crying out to God with the revelation and understanding of this whole sermon and this lifestyle that Jesus has called us into to reflect him and to reflect his glory and to live out these eight, these eight beatitudes, man, and to truly, truly let our lives uh, uh, um, preserve the word of God to be salt on the earth and to, to make sure that we're not doing anything that would diminish the flame and the fire of God. And Jesus, in the context of how we live this out and walk this out, says, man, here, here's how this can happen, man. Persevere, persevere, persevere. And you do it in prayer. It's asking, seeking, knocking. It's con- consistent, persevering prayer until we see the breakthrough. And I think this is powerful because this fuels our prayer. Jesus is so good. And, and, he, and he goes in and he kind of explains a little bit here of, of uh, he says, he, of, of, of as we're praying and as we're, as we're asking and as we're seeking and then as we're knocking, that we're doing it with confidence, right? Like, did you see the, did you see the parents' faces down here this morning, Right? Could you see the love, like the love and the excitement in their eyes and in their hearts for these precious children that they've been given, right? And Jesus knew that. And then yet here he says, you being evil, know to give good gifts to your children. And he's saying, he's saying in, in, the, in the fullest level of love that we're able to conjure up on our own, it is in no comparison to the love and the goodness of God. And he says, so if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you? And he's speaking of this in the context of asking and seeking and knocking in relationships when things are happening and when there's brokenness and when we feel this stuff and junk and division and things are happening. And Jesus said, man, you've got to stay connected to me. You've got to stay connected to me. So powerful with confidence and just knowing that he's not reluctant and gives good things to those who ask him. So I just love that because not only does he say, hey, man, you need to stay in prayer. You need to keep leaning on me. But he, but, but he just reveals even more how important your view of God is. 
Because when you see him as being good, when you see him as being holy, when you see him and his love for you, man, it changes how you pray. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is saying, um, you're going to need my help. (laughs) You're going to need my help. And and here's how you get it. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking in confidence in the goodness of your heavenly Father. And then he goes into verse 12, this, this golden rule. Then he says, and here's this word, therefore, again, which looks back to what he just said. And, and in verses 7 through 11, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Hmm. That through asking, seeking, and knocking, and leaning on him for strength, wisdom, breakthrough, and relationships, here's how you can walk it out. In that whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. What, what you want to receive, give. What you want to receive, give. So our actions should be determined by how we want people to treat us and by how graciously the Father loves us and gives good gifts to his children. And then he he says, he makes a statement in there, and he says, for this is the law and the prophets. For this is the law and the prophets. Interesting. What's that? Matthew chapter 22, uh, 37 to 40. I'll read this to you real quick. Jesus said to them that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, that you should love, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Isn't that powerful? Love fulfills the law and the prophets. And Jesus is saying, you're going to need my help. It is persevering, persevering in prayer and staying before me and asking and seeking and knocking. And I will grace you, empower you to be able to do this rightly. You're going to need my help, he says. So just keep keep on it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Amen. And then then he steps in here and... um, this is where, where he, things begin to transition a little bit. In verse 13 and 14, and this is so powerful. So look at this with me and stay with me here, guys. Stay with me. Jesus comes right out of this. And in verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Isn't that powerful? It's like Jesus steps in here now and he's like, he says, strive, um, exhort effort, guys, to enter, enter the narrow gate of obedience. It's so important. 
And we got to get this because it's not, we're not striving to earn God's love. We're not striving to, to earn, earn, earn His forgiveness. We're striving. We're asking. We're seeking. We're knocking. We're persevering for His help to live in obedience to Him and, and to have healthy relationships with the people around us. Amen. As we're locked eyes on and pursuing and walking in and going towards that narrow gate and that narrow path. It's like he, he's revealing that this is no, this is not a casual pursuit lifestyle. If I remember right, I opened up this series two months ago um, uh, when I started to talk about this. On this is a calling to a radical life. What I'm about to share with you before I finish this sermon, like like a lot of people, and I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church are going to label me as a radical. They're going to label me as a radical, though. They'll label you as a radical because you believe in obedience to the Word of God. Come on. And so when you hear His voice and you hear His heart of speaking to this multitude in this lifestyle that, that He was calling them into, man, and how to love Him and how to love one another and how to reflect Him and how to continue in perseverance with seeking, asking, and knocking. And then He comes in here and He talks about this narrow gate in the broad way, revealing this lifestyle and it's intentional like it's intentional persevering pursuit to 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 love and to follow him in total obedience right it's like he establishes this at the very beginning in the beatitudes in matthew 5 6 he says blessed are those who hunger they're hungering and they're thirsting for righteousness they're not filled with the things of the world they're not filled with satisfying their flesh but blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for only in that will they be filled. Then he says in Matthew 5, 8, he says, blessed are the pure in heart as we live and walk and pursue purity. For those who are pure in heart are going to see God. They're going to encounter God. They're going to experience God. In Matthew 6 and 33, I've already read this morning, but he says, seek first the kingdom of God. In his righteousness, there's a seeking, there's a pursuit, there's a running after that he's calling his followers to. And then I love in, in, in the book of Acts in chapter 24, in verse 16, Paul, Paul, Paul says, um, he says, I, I myself always strive. He says, I always strive. To have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Isn't that powerful? Like I wake up, and as I'm walking, and as I'm sitting, as I'm laying down, as I'm getting back up, in every conversation that I have, and everything that I do, and everything that I'm watching with my eyes, and everything that I'm allowing through my ears, come on, man, in this pursuit of being with Jesus, he's like, I am striving. I strive to have a conscience without offense towards God. And men, isn't that powerful? So here, now in this sermon, Jesus says, guys, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are, think about this, there are few who find it. Come on, come on. That's sobering. Guys, that's sobering. 
Narrow, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the path. Difficult is the way. And few will find it. Wow. Do you know what? Jesus is talking to believers. He'd said, you're the, he'd already said, he said, you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Those who, those who profess to be believers seek Jesus in two ways. Those who profess to be believers pursue and seek Jesus in two different ways. The broad way, it's popular because it has few restrictions, giving room for compromise. It's the road of tolerance and permissiveness. They follow their own desires and don't have to to leave anything behind. Their flesh can continue to live and be fed. They excuse sin with the false message of grace. People on this road want to live without restraint and live without conviction. It's absolutely opposite of of the eight Beatitudes. And ultimately it leads to death. It's man's way and it's the broad's way. It's the broad way. Come on. And then, and, then, and then there's the narrow way. Few, few choose it because it's costly. It's costly to our fleshly desires that must be denied. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus says, Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Come on. That's the narrow road. Deny yourself. Deny your flesh. Take up your cross and follow me. This narrow way, it has has clear boundaries defined by God, and God never changed his mind. From the very beginning to the very end, God has never changed his mind. It's his way. It's a narrow way. It's a difficult way because few are on it. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about within the church. So you're going against the grain. It can be really, it can be really lonely on the narrow road. Come on, man. You get a lot of criticism sometimes. You're called a lot of things on the narrow road. Jesus called us, He's called us to this lifestyle, this narrow way with these clear boundaries. To walk on this road, we must, we must leave everything behind that's not in God's will. It costs us our flesh. Like flesh, flesh has to die on this road. Flesh has to die daily. It's a daily crucifying of the flesh. When we feel wounded, when we feel a temptation, all these different things, man, flesh has to die. In Galatians 5 and 24, it says, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've crucified the flesh. They're not trying to figure out how much flesh they can keep alive and still get to heaven. Come on, man. Like this narrow way is a people that's daily dying to the flesh, wanting Jesus more than anything that this world has to offer. Come on. It's a radical lifestyle. 
Jesus says, if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. He says, if your eye is causing you to sin, cut it off. He wasn't teaching self-mutilation. He was teaching a point that this lifestyle of going down, this entering through this narrow gate and this narrow road is costly and it's radical and you've got to crucify the flesh on a daily basis. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow him. You've got to get in the word of God and learn the word of God and stick to the word of God like never before. It's got to be the foundation of your life. Come on, somebody. And it's unchanging. He's unchanging. He doesn't change anything because culture's changing. We see less and less hunger for the word of God today in our society than ever before. We can fill a house for worship, but you fill a house for a word, everyone's got to go to the bathroom. I'll plug in for worship, and I'm going to plug on my phone while there's preaching going on. I've heard it all before. You know what? I've heard it all before. I've read it all before over and over and over and over again. But I understand that the word of God is a man. A man. It's not a textbook. It's not a history book. The Word of God is a man. That man is living. He is active. He is powerful. I don't care how many sermons for the rest of my life I, 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 I listen to or hear on the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone I hear, I'm going to pull up to the table because that Word that is being released is going to change my life. We have got to get ourselves like never before established on the foundation of God's Word and get off our own opinions. Come on, somebody. I mean, Jesus is about to drive this sermon home and fill the altar. Come on. So he's called us into this place and thank you, Lord, for it. Jesus says, enter, enter by this narrow gate. It's difficult and few are going to find it. Can I tell you today that Jesus is the gate. He is the narrow gate. He said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 said, he's the only way, guys. There may be other religions out there, but there's only one way. You can worship, people can choose to worship whoever and whatever they want to worship. At the end of the day, they're all false gods. There's only one, and there's only one way in, and it's his way. A lot of times I feel like the church has bought a lie that they understand, and they'll applaud, and they'll amen. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the, is, is the gate, and he's the way, right? But we kind of want to make our own way to him. Jesus says, not only am I the gate, but I'm the way. So I've already established a path. And if you're going to be in me, you're going to be on my way. On my way, right here, according to Scripture. Isn't that so good? Thank you, Jesus. Everybody okay? Look at verse 15. I'm going to... Maybe I'll come back to this, but I'm going to hit this kind of, kind of quick because I, w- I, want to, I want to get down to verse 21 and to through 23, but, but I, want to, I want to just keep in context what he's saying here. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, <clears throat> but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. 
You're going to know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Verse 17, even so every good tree, every good tree bears good fruit. If it's a good tree, it's going to bear good fruit. If it's a good tree, you're going to see the produce on it. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, uh, uh, by their fruits you will know them. Therefore, by their fruits, by their fruits you will know them. Hmm. Jesus comes. Jesus comes right out of of dis, of discard of. Of, of talking about this, this wide gate and this narrow gate, this wide path, the broad path and the narrow path. And he comes right in here now in verse 13 through 20. And what's he saying, guys? What's he saying here? He's saying, be careful who you listen to. He says, be careful who you follow. Because they're not going to look like the devil, and they're not going to look like it, and they're not going to look like they're out to do harm. They're going to look like it's something that you need. So he says, be careful who you listen to, because there will be people who try to convince you that the narrow way is much broader than Jesus taught it. In Revelation, in, in chapter, uh, uh, chapters 2 and in chapter 3, G- Jesus identified compromise in five of the seven churches. In five of the seven churches, Jesus identified they had compromise in there. So he says, so he says follow fruit, not, not, not titles, not popularity or positions. Come on, man. He says, follow fruit. Look for the fruit. Set your heart to learn and to know God's word and set your heart to obey his word. Enter. Enter enter the narrow gate. Stay on the narrow road that leads to life and be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you listen to. Look for the fruit. Look for the fruit. And then look at this. Everybody doing okay? Look at this in verse 21. Man, he just kind of heats things up here a little bit. Verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I'm going to back up and read that again. So Jesus, put all of this in here. He talks about relationships. He talks about how we need his help. He talks about persistence in prayer of seeking, asking, knocking, and turning to him. He talks about this, 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 narrow, this narrow way and, and that, that we need to make sure that we're in him and going through him as the gate. We're paying that price that we're crucifying our flesh. He says when you're on that pathway, you've got to be careful who you listen to because there's going to be people that try to make that path a lot more broad than it is and they're going to draw you off and then he comes right in here in verse 21 and he says listen not everyone who says to me Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father in heaven 
Then he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your, in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and we've done many wonders in your name. And then he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, uh, uh, you who practice lawlessness. Can I talk to you a little bit about the necessity of obedience? I said earlier that, that, that I preach this message in a, in a lot of different places. I would for sure be labeled a radical. You know why? Because we've let compromise into so many churches. We've let compromise into the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have. Because we don't want to offend people or hurt people or do this or that. I'm going to tell you what, man. The, the gospel, the truth of God's word is offensive to those who are in sin. It should be to the point that it convicts them and sets them free. We should love people enough to want them to go through that rather than keep patting them on the back and tell them to and cuddling them while they're lost in their sin. And again, I'm not even talking about he's he's still talking about his church. He's talking about the people like look around. Like seriously, look around. Look how many people are here today. In this, in this revelation that Jesus gives in here, man, so powerful. So Jesus went from talking about false prophets to false professors. Everybody say Many. Many who profess Christ do not seriously embrace obedience in their private lives. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, he who's on the narrow road. He who's on the narrow road. Kind of bring some description in this a little bit, but He's talking about, about this group of many, and he, he says they're going to think that their that they're popular ministry or, their, or their, their book sales or whatever that it is is, is sufficient proof of their genuine faith. He, he says in here they may even have testimonies of their, of their public ministry of their prophecies that they gave, of, of deliverance that they led people through, of healings and miracles and signs and wonders that they lay hands, had, had laid hands on people. This is who he's talking about here. People that have, that have done this in, in the public, in the public place, in the public eye. And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. Come on. Can we be real this morning? Come on. Can we be real this morning? This is sobering. This is encouraging. 
This beautiful lifestyle that Jesus has called us into. And if you go back to chapter 5 and you begin with those, he wants you blessed. He wants you spiritually vibrant. He wants you to be salty, and he wants you burning on fire for him. Come on, man. Like, that's his heart for But there's a way. There's only one way for that, and it's his way. It's through his word. It's through total obedience in him. It's through living out a rattle. It's pursuing righteousness. It's hungering, and it's thirsting for it. It's dying to our flesh. It's not living. Living in compromise, man. Come on. It's stepping into the Word of God, and it's real life. Listen, Jesus is true to his Word, man. Like we want we we to all shout that he's, you know, he's faithful to his promises, but he's true to his Word. He's true to his word whenever he says that narrow is the, is the gate. Narrow is the path that leads to life. It is difficult, and few find it. Like he's, he's true to his word where he says in that day, many, 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 more than not, are going to come to me with the list of their ministries that they accomplished. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me for I knew you not. Your, your public ministry and your platform ministry is not anything without your private ministry before the Lord. It is out of that place of pursuit of intimacy as a son or as a daughter that branches out and fills everything else in our life. He's called us to radical obedience. I, through the years, I think of, of different times that I've met with people and heard from people and and, and they were struggling. They were struggling in their Christianity. They were struggling in their walk with God. And they talk about how hard it is and, and just to do right, to, to live right. To, they, they feel empty. They feel void. They feel like a desert. They feel this or that. They're, they're like, it's so hard. You might, I'm going to tell you, you know what's hard? It's not doing it 100%. If you're doing it 100%, it's easy because you're encountering him, you're stepping into his blessings, you're full of his love, you're full of his grace. Come on, you're vibrant in spirit. You can't get enough of him. You're walking in such intimacy and closeness that you're walking under conviction and Holy Spirit convicts you, man. He's your one thing, he's your main thing. It's easy when you serve God hard. But it is so hard when you try to serve God easy. This is the two ways, the broad way and the narrow way. I want to speak into this house today, man, that Jesus loves you so much. He's got such a great plan for your life. But I'm here to tell you, man, guys, you will stand before the Lord and you will answer for your obedience. You will answer for your private life. You will answer for your pursuit of him. The word, These words that he spoke, man, that they'll be, they'll be the worst words that anyone ever hears. Like out of anything that you could ever hear in your lifetime on this earth, those would be the worst words you could ever hear. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Well done. Well done, that good and faithful servant. We'll be running after I think all of us want this. I don't think any of us want this. But a lot of us think that there's a road in the middle 
that at the very end of it, it takes a really quick right turn and it gets us over there to be well done, thy good and faithful servants. So until that last little jolt, we want to live in compromise in the middle. And Jesus says, it's not going to get you there. Like today, right now, today, today, you've got to check your heart with the love of God, with the fire of God. You're going to check your heart. He loves you so much. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to convict you. He's not here to bind you. He's here to set you free. He's here to bring you into light and pull you out of darkness. It should be every one of our hearts as we hear his heart in this cry for this radical kingdom lifestyle that we put ourselves before the mirror of the Lord and we say, Holy Spirit, reveal what, anything that is in me that is impure so that I can lay it at your feet. Come on. That we say, Lord, above all, I want to be right with you today. I'm going to look, I'm locking eyes on that narrow gate, and I'm walking down that narrow road, and I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to live for you, and I want to please you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Jesus defines this group. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm wrapping up, but just bear with me for just a second here, but Right here in, in, in verse 23, <clears throat> Jesus bringing this awareness to his disciples, man. But he, uh, he defines this group of many, and, he, and he, he says, it's you who practice lawlessness. You who practice lawlessness in verse 23. Listen to me for a second. They weren't mass murderers. Simply people who embraced and practiced a lifestyle of immorality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 10, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. I need everyone to hear this. I love you. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. And this is what the word of God says. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, Reviler speaks of, of someone that, that speaks abusive words to someone or about someone. Revilers nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Come on. Jesus emphasized the, the, the popularity of this broad road when he said many, 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 many. It is, it's, a, it's a strong warning. And so we are to, we are, he is calling us to live in the fear of God, knowing that our obedience will be tested. Amen? Amen? Isn't this good? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us, loving us enough to correct us. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me enough. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting my heart of things that I need to, for, to, to ask, to, to confess and to repent of so that I can get in rightness with you, Jesus. Thank you. And I'm going to finish with this. This is so powerful. Um, <clears throat> here in verse 24, 
Let's read this, and I'll share a couple of things, and I want to pray over you. But now look at this. He comes right out of this, right out of identifying uh, this group of people, how, how many, many, many people are going to be on that broad road, and he's going to say, I don't know you. And then in verse 24, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded. Everybody say founded. It was founded on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was that when Jesus ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I want to talk about this for just a minute. Jesus ended, he ends his sermon right now, right here. Such a powerful message. I feel like we could, we could spend the rest of our lives studying the Son of the Mount and just psh, revelation would just keep, keep coming. Here he's talking about being wise. Jesus ended this sermon, this whole Sermon on the Mount, by calling us to a lifestyle of consistent obedience and repentance. Consistent obedience and repentance. So this is what, because this is a familiar passage, but I want to maybe help you to see this a little bit differently. Add to what you have. Jesus here contrasted the two types of professing believers with the, with the foundations, and the word foundation is key to the, his point that he's making here, of two builders. So he's talking about the people that are on the broad path and the people that are on the narrow path, and he takes those, and he's using this example of describing the two different ones and, 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 and the foundation that they're building on as, as, as builders. And so this is why this is so important, because often everything looks the same above ground. You could have a, you could have a whole subdivision and all the houses look the same, right? There's a lot of builders, they, 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 they do these big plots and they'll come up with five or six home designs and pretty much you pick one of those five or six homes with some minor, but they all kind of look alike. You can go through a subdivision and you can drive down the road and you can look at the beautiful Christmas lights and the trees and the landscaping and whatever kind of siding and brick and mortar and they all look the same on the outside. This is what Jesus is talking about in this whole sermon, man. But he's like, I'm calling you to a richer lifestyle. So now he really brings this final point home and he talks about not what's above the surface but what's below the surface and he talks about the foundation. Because a lot of times people will show up like this and above the foundation everybody looks the same. Come on. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Fine. Everything's great. 
But Jesus makes this final declaration and point into living out this radical lifestyle, man. And, 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 he, and, he, and he says, here, here's, here's what it's like. like. There's like a wise man. And the wise man is building his house. He's building his life. He's focused on that narrow gate and that narrow way. And he's the man. He is the man that hears my word. He's listening. He's seeking. He's knocking. And he's hearing the word. And that's what he's lining up with, not with what's comfortable. And he's literally building his house on a foundation that is strong and firm, and it's not going to move. And he says, he says, the wind, the rain is going to come and the floods are going to come and the winds are going to come and they're going to blow and they're going to beat on that house. They're going to beat on that man. They're going to beat on that woman. But because he's structured on a strong foundation, what's underneath, what other people can't always see, come on, he's going to be sustained through the storm. And then Jesus says, and then there's a foolish builder. This is the broad, this is the broad group. This is the, this is the crowd, man. This is where things are comfortable. This is where we want heaven, but we don't want the cost of it. This is where we want to date Jesus, but we don't want to marry him. So they're likened to a builder who hears my word, they know it. They can quote it. They're familiar with it. They're bored with it when it's being given because I've heard it over and over and over again. There's no passion in them. They hear my word. They know my word, but they don't follow my word. They're not following my way. They're not going through this small, narrow gate. And he said, I liken, I liken them. I liken them to people who is building their house. They're building this structure, right? Every day they're building their life, and it's really hard. It's really hard. It just seems like things are falling apart all the time because they're establishing themselves on sand, the foundation underneath them, man. There's no substance to it. And so the wind comes, and the rain comes, and the floods come, and it washes them away. They're like, a, they're like a little boat out in the ocean, and the waves and the wind can just toss that thing wherever it wants to because there's no anchor system in their life. Isn't it good? Are you guys convicted or mad? I can't tell. I'm just teasing. Well, not really. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for the cost of the blood that you shed for me. Thank you for the knowledge that I have that my salvation was not free. It came at the cost of your life for me. Thank you, Jesus, for the revelation that you made away for me. Thank you, Jesus, for these young people that are down here that are desiring your word. They're desiring righteousness. They're living in a world where everything is being compromised and changed and twisted, and nobody knows who they are or what they are or what they want to be. We apparently can just choose now. It is, a, it is a broad way, it is a, it is a broad gate, and it will lead to destruction and death and hurt and pain. 
Jesus says, my way is narrow and it's difficult, Pastor Jason, but I'm telling you, life is in it. Everyone's searching for life on the broad path, but it's only leading to more pain. If we want to see young people healed and delivered and set free and not be so suicidal, we need to stop catering to the sin that's in their life, start giving them the truth because it's only that narrow way that's going to give them life. Stop patty caking for sin. Get the junk out of your house. Get the TV off. Cancel all the subscriptions. Throw their phone away. They were with me until I said that. They're like, now you're radical, Pastor. Now you're radical. I'm telling you, how radical do you want to get? Because the world is going to get more radical every day. I'm telling you, the things you've allowed in right now, you won't want to continue to allow in. You need to make some decisions today before you even drive home of what changes that you're going to make in your tabernacle, in your sanctuary, under your roof that you're responsible for in your home. You've got to decide, oh, this is going to feel good, right? It comes comforts me. I, I enjoy it. But you got to decide today, are you going to get on that narrow way? Are you going to go through the narrow gate of Jesus and pursue life? Or are you going to continue to pleasure your flesh on that broad road? Come on, someone. Because I'm telling you, it will feel good right now. The attention, the party, the feeling that you might get from it, it will feel good right now. But you need to know it is a lie from hell, and it will do nothing but cost you and the people around you and end in absolute destruction. I'm here to tell you, some of you are listening to me, and you say, Pastor, I know this, and I want this, but I've just never been able to maintain. I'm here to tell you, he will not call you to live out this lifestyle without empowering you to do it, but he's not going to do it for you. You're not a robot. He doesn't want people that he's got to pull. He wants people that will choose him. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Worked myself hot. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for the truth, God. Thank you for the truth of your word, God. Come on, God. Lord, I don't want a crowd. I don't want a crowd. I don't desire a crowd. I desire to run with the people that are hungry for you. I want to run with people that want to step in to this, this kingdom lifestyle, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed, blessed are those who spiritually mourn for the things of God. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Come on. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who endure persecution on that narrow road for my name's sake. They're going to encounter the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Isn't this good? Thank you, Jesus. Well, there you go. Part nine, Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> go back and listen to him. Go back and read the whole sermon. Read it, chapter five, six, and seven every day. Do it for another 30 days. He'll just keep revealing more things to you. Amen. Well, praise God. Amen. I want to have the worship team come, and I just want to open up this altar for a moment for us to come and, and just seek Him, to uh, put ourselves before Him, 
to ask him to reveal things in our heart that need to be revealed. I want to walk out of here pure. How many of you want to walk out of here pure this morning? How many of you want to walk out of here free this morning? Come on, somebody. How many of you want to walk out here with your eyes fixed on that narrow gate? How many of you realize that all sin and fall short of the glory of God? How many of you know we all got some stuff? Let's stop carrying the stuff. Stop excusing it. Stop broadening the path that he already said. And let's get in alignment with him and let him break off everything that, 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 is, that doesn't need to go in that narrow road with us and through that gate. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's ask him to purify us. Let's look eyes within this morning. Let's establish what our homes are going to look like. Come on, man. Let's get a little bit of fire within us. Let's get some fight within us. Jesus says that's a, it's a difficult road. Strong people are going to have to go down that difficult. People that are determined. They've, they've set their mind. They've set their forehead like flint. This is what I'm doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to stand. I don't know. I think you just should probably come. I'm just going to open up the altar and you just come and pray and repent and ask God's forgiveness and invite him to come and encounter you fresh and new. Rededicate your, your commitment to follow him wholeheartedly. Come on, just begin to come and dedicate. Dads, begin to come and dedicate that your house is going to be the house of the Lord, that it's going to be a place that, that, that as for me and my house, we're going to do things right. We're going to keep things pure. Come on, you've been, you've been allowing your eyes to see things that you shouldn't be seeing. I'm telling you, come on, come on. Many, 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 many will say, I did this, goes, depart from me. I do not know you, you workers of iniquity. Come and get your eyes purified. Come and get your ears purified. Come and get your heart purified. You carry in, you carry in unforgiveness. You're, if you're carrying bitterness, if you're carrying junk like that, come. Get it off. Get it off. Get it off. Get it off. In Jesus' name. Come on. I just want to pray over you if I just get your attention real quick. I, I just feel like I need to, I need to, I just want to, I want to give you this. This, this this lifestyle, this radical lifestyle of obedience, it's not our duty. It's not our duty. It's our inheritance. It's our inheritance. It's our inheritance as sons and daughters to walk in that lifestyle. It's your inheritance to live in righteousness. It's your inheritance to live in purity. Come on, man. It's not a duty, it's our inheritance. Let's go collect it. Let's live in it, man. Let's lock eyes on it. And let's not sacrifice it for anything in this world. Amen. Step into your inheritance and begin to begin to experience it for the glory of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him a round of applause. That'll help me probably stop talking. We thank you for a great day. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. It's always true. I thank you that it's living, that it's active, that it's powerful. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you knew us, that you knew what we would struggle with. You knew things that areas we would be tempted to compromise in. I thank you, Jesus, for being so good that you show us the way. Like You've given us the blueprint to your way. We Lord. It's way better than Google Maps. We just got to follow it step by step by step and do it your way and not, not our way. God, I declare over this church that this is not and never will be a church of compromise. I declare this is a church that desires your righteousness and your purity and your holiness. That it is a church that is every day crucifying the flesh. That it is a church that is intentional 
this earth or begin to quench our flame and we say no we choose you we maintain that fire we lock eyes on you purify our hearts god purify the moms purify the dads purify the children god lord i declare purity over the homes of boonville worship center god i declare that their homes are sanctuaries that's full of your glory is being seen and purity is being heard in the houses, God, of the families in this church, Lord. We love you, we honor you, and we give you our yes in this pursuit of a kingdom lifestyle. Empower us and anoint us to fulfill it and walk it out for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Love you guys, bless you, have an awesome week. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.